Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Lord has blessed me. Um I am very thankful that I have an opportunity today. I have an opportunity um, to interview someone I've been following for quite a while. Um, a lot of people know him through sports and stuff like that, but I just remember back in the day, um, for me, um, through Source Magazine. That's, that's where I remember <laughs> the most. Um, so I'm going to introduce you. Brandon, how are you doing today? School B. Man, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm I'm really, really good, man. I, I appreciate um the interview today, man. I'm I'm blessed. This is this is a this is a bucket list check for me. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm just doing good work. I'm glad somebody's paying attention. Oh yeah, most definitely, man. Um definitely just wanna get started by, you know, you know, just saying, you know, a lot of individuals that are in the industry, let's say, and it doesn't matter what level where you're at, they're not too, um, let's say they don't correspond with individuals that, um, who are fans of theirs, or is kind of talking about kind of something that you post like, Hey, um, breaking news, this would happen. Or, Hey, this is my music video or, Hey, um, this is what I got going on. And when you respond, it's not really a lot of response. Cause I know a lot of people are busy, but I will say, man, you're, you're really good at like corresponding with, you know, some of the people in regards of, uh, what you do. They and keep re- the lights on. <laughs> he said, <"What?" laughs> they keep the lights on. Look, if there was no them, I mean, I think my mom, my father had everything to do with me being created, but you know, as far as the industry goes and as far as three months ago, if it was them, no them, there would there wouldn't be me. So you know, you got to respond. Sometimes you can't respond to everything, but you know, 
some things you, you can respond to a thank you with emoji. And sometimes people come at you too. You got to respond. You can't respond to everything, but yeah, yeah, man, it's all about, it's all about communication. So you, so have you, have you had any hardcore like fans kind of get at you kind of crazy, man? All the time. But, um, it's all <laughs> how you, it's all how you respond, you know? So how you respond. And I think just at this point, you know, a lot of people say, you know, stop responding, stop, you know, can't respond to everything. I've toned down a lot, but you know, you can't respond to everything. You can't. I grew up playing the dozens, but sometimes, you know, you gotta just chill. Yeah. Yeah. So what we say you gotta relax. Yeah, and 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 I hey man, I I've been following you and, and recently I kind of been on your podcast a little bit here. And really? Yeah, like just recently actually. I've been I actually to be honest with you, man, I always follow I follow a lot of sports podcasts um, because I don't really like listening to the regular analysts. It's like, it seems like they just recycle them. Even though I got a lot of respect for them, Chris Bussard, you know, Shannon Sharp and all those guys. I really like Rob Parker a lot. Um, That's my dude. Really? Yeah. He's a good dude, man. I, I really like that guy, man. Um, but I think the podcast world, there's a lot of individuals. Um, and, I, and I know that, Chris Boussard and them got a podcast together, Rob Parker. Um, so I listen to a lot of them, but I recently start, you know, getting down with your podcast, man. And tell me a little bit about it. What, what made you get into podcasting? Um, well, for those who are not familiar with me, because uh, you can't assume everybody is, um, yeah. I'm, I'm Brandon Scoopy Robinson, senior writer at Basketball Society. Yeah, I contributed to Heavy.com, and I have a podcast called Scoopy Radio, which got 3.5 million streams last year. Uh, we've had we've had anybody from um, DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban to Jamal Crawford to uh, the voice of Siri, Susan Bennett. Um, today, we actually dropped an episode with uh, the Milwaukee, well, excuse me, the state of Wisconsin's Lieutenant Governor. Mandela Barnes and um, you know so we, we dive into anything politics entertainment lifestyle sports and more mm-hmm. um, and to be honest with you the podcast started because um, I had a whole bunch of content like you know I began my career at 12 years old I had a radio yeah. show with the Nets when I was a kid mm-hmm. and I had a Timberland box full of tapes from my childhood <laughs> Timberland box. Just, yeah yeah okay. And, you know, we digitized them and we started the podcast during my time when I was at CBS radio. Mm. Um, and so I had a podcast at CBS radio. I was contributing to CBS local sports, CBS sports radio, and a contributor to um, CBS this morning. And so I basically started Scoopy radio while I was doing a podcast um, at CBS radio and basically <clears throat> was name dropping Scoopy radio <clears throat> on CBS property and you know i had a couple of stories that you know were on my podcast could be radio that i actually wrote about at cbs local sports and cbs sports radio and they hit and um you know honestly just uh timing was perfect and you know it was the right situation but it did scoopy radio began in timberland box man that see and that's that's all encouraging uh, because you know a lot of us podcasters man is kind of a you know it's a dream it's an idea it's a thought behind it and we kind of you know we want a voice you know what i mean we want some type of voice it doesn't matter if it's to two people a lot of times i feel like i'm speaking to myself but um i'm actually getting a pretty good following now in in what i do so 
I really uh, can relate to a lot of what you're saying. Now, I, I, you know, I did a little research on you. So let's, let's tell the people where are you from and how did, how did you get, how did you get started in your industry? Um, well, I'm a hybrid. Uh, I was born in Northern New Jersey, split time right. between Northern New Jersey and Harlem and the Bronx. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot right there, man. So living in New Jersey, did you, did you play ball there? Did you, did you, was you a part of the school culture, you know, newspaper writing? Was this a young dream for you? How did that go? Um, I've always had a gift of gab and I've always been, since I was six years old, uh, a fan of basketball. My stepfather's on the West side of Chicago and, uh, learned about Michael Jordan. I fell in love with the game in 91 when they won their first championship. And so, you know, between that and between my uncle, who ran a, a league called uh, Citywide, uh, which anybody from New York City came out of, I used to be around my uncle, my uncle Billy. That's where I kind of, you know, fell in love with the game. Between my stepfather introduced me to Michael and the Bulls, and you know, and and my uncle introduced me to the game. So I've been around the Knicks and all that other stuff, and so that that was when I kind of found my purpose. And oh. so you know, anything else, anything wow. else, you know, leading the basketball was kind of just like okay, school newspaper. Um, you know, getting cool with all the athletes or the basketball team or, yeah. you know, the, the football team. And, you know, so then, I mean, I played a little bit when I was a kid. I wasn't as good as some of my peers, but I was yeah. tall like them and I had their conversation. So, yeah. you know, I realized that, you know, talking about it and just, you know, being cool with the guys and just, you know, you, you, you learn the cadence in that regard. So I played a little bit, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I didn't play middle school, high school, college, but, you know, I, I hang out in practices sometimes. I practice with the team yeah. sometimes. Sometimes you, I, you, you know, know the game. all those different things. I know the game. You know the game. <clears throat> and, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's a lot of, you know, a lot of people be like, you know, because you didn't play or because you didn't, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you didn't have a number on your back for those who did not play sports it, as, as if they can't speak on it or something. I think that's such a uh, false statement, you know, because, you know, I played, I played ball, football, of course. Um, but never played really like high level basketball. Played in high school and all that, but really wasn't a straight hooper. But I'm a hoop fan, you know. I love right. basketball, and I and you know I coached it. You know I coach it now too. Also, um, outside of podcasting, I'm a vice principal <clears throat> of a high school. So mm-hmm. a lot of what I do is you know I give back to the community by you know inspiring these kids to be bigger than themselves and what they believe they can be. So. That's why I coach. So I, I know the game a little bit, but just listening to, you know, analysts and, and how they break down stuff, you do learn tidbits here and there. Um, so, you know, I was wanting to get that out there because a lot of people always say, oh, you didn't play hoop or something or you didn't, you know, play ball. I just think it's so – I think, you're, I think you're, you're, you're limiting yourself if you don't listen to a lot of individuals that actually, um, you know, study it. You know what I mean? Because you study it, I'm sure, right? Yeah, you're studying, and then you you know you have certain you know athletes or former athletes or you know analysts who who become your mentor. You know, so for me, um, I didn't play. That didn't mean that you know I didn't know the game or some of them people that you know you you see on TV. I haven't played in celebrity games or went to school with them and didn't bust their ass in open gym. Believe yeah. there. But what I'll say, <laughs> what I'll what I'll say is. Um, I think that people think it a prerequisite to talk about the game is to be, you know, um, to have played. And I think there are certain people who have debunked that myth. 
Mm-hmm. You know, someone like Stephen A. Smith, he played in high school, he played in college, and, you know, he'll admit sometimes on TV, hey, man, you played in the game, I'll defer to you. So learning keywords mm-hmm. like that, like I'll defer, or, but I, I think there's no substitution for relationships, there's no substitution for, you know, learning from somebody who's been there. You know, there's, yeah. there's many of current players and past players um, who I, you know, I'll call or I'll send a message to and be like, hey, can you help me explain, can you explain this to me? Because I don't know. Yeah, and I and I think a lot of it is if you come in here cocky and nobody can tell you nothing, that makes you a target. I agree. I mean, I, I think I, you you made some good points there, man. And uh, I didn't I know Stephen A. Smith played in in college though. I didn't know that. Yeah, he went to Winston State. Winston Winston Salem. Oh yeah, I did remember that now. Okay, Winston Salem, North uh, Carolina. Yeah, and from from the, from the way York, right. Yeah, he's born in the Bronx, but raised in Hollis, Queens. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, so let me ask you this. Why Hofstra University? Well, I went there for grad school. Um, I, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a move back home after going to school in undergrad. And um, I went to a small school for undergrad called Eastern University. Uh, okay. right outside of West Philly, right outside of, on the main line, down the street from Villanova, across the street from King of, uh, across the street from Cabrini College, down the street from King of Prussia. <laughs> um, right yeah, so, I mean, the main line of, of Philadelphia, they call it. So, I mean, I went there, I grew a lot as a person spiritually at Eastern. Um, I was the public address announcer for, you know, the basketball team. Mm-hmm. I um, was the sports editor and columnist at the newspaper. I was a big fish in a small pond. That's where um, you got your game but, from, huh? Yeah, I mean, but when I went to prep school uh, at Don Bosco Prep, and so yeah. that school is, you know, nationally ranked in football and basketball, they did all right, and, you know, other sports like baseball, hockey, et cetera. So, I mean, that was a practice and the cadence of just, uh, you know, knowing how to talk to athletes. But as far as Eastern University, that I grew a lot spiritually. I grew a lot um, just in my, in, my, in my personal life. And I feel like, you know, going to Hofstra, Hofstra was a finished product as far as just uh, – a school that had the journalism and communication program, a school that, um, you know, has had multiple presidential elections or presidential debates, rather. Really? Um, and just has, uh, has, yeah, Obama and Romney debated there and Obama really? became debated okay. there as well. Yeah. And, tr- and I believe Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton debated there as well. So, I mean, mm. multiple debates there, but at the same time, you know, it was it was home. You know, I was able to, you know, see family on, on all coasts, you know, See my family in, in the city, see my family in Westchester, see my family in Jersey, and still have that separation, go to Spoon Island. So yeah. it was a good fit. So so your college life, um, any experiences or any great stories you can tell me in regards of, you know, your journalism or any big stories or anything that you say, you know what, that this is this is something that I felt really good about. Any any stories you can give us? I mean, yeah, I, I think Scoopy Radio is a testament to it's it's le- legitimately a time capsule, um, and so it's 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 although you have new interviews, there are interviews that are that have never made the cutting room floor that I've used. So, you know, for example, on Scoopy Radio, I I, I told you I had a bunch of tapes in the Timberland box, and mm-hmm. so you know I have interviews with DJ Armstrong, J.R. Reed, Jason yeah. Williams, Kendall Gill from my childhood, the Kimbe wow. Mutombo. Yeah. And some of that stuff, I'm like, man, I haven't heard that in years. And I'm like, wow, I have bass in my voice now, but at the same time, like, <laughs> so like, 
one of the people I interviewed on there was uh that that was a, a interview from that was on a cassette tape with Scott Farrell, uh, who played at UConn with Ray Allen and um you know won a championship with Michael Jordan and the Bulls in the nineties and then he ended up playing for the Nets and I got my start with the Nets at twelve years old. Mm-hmm. And so I ran into Scott mm, about two months ago and I was like I was like, Yo, what's up, man? He's like, Yo, I always bump into you somewhere. Last time I saw you, I saw you in the street. You know, yeah. we exchange numbers, this, that, and third. You know, we follow each other on social media. So, um, he said to me, yo, I listened to that interview. He goes, damn, it's crazy. You stuck with it all that time. And, it was cool. <laughs> and what was crazy is um, I had a buddy of mine who, who used to write, like, when I left the source, he, he wrote at the source, and he would, like, take my interviews and write about them at the source magazine. And he actually wrote about those interviews were like Scott Burrell, Jason Williams, Keith Van Horn, and all of that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was like, wow, I made it to the source after I, you know, retired. And it's like, it's kind of cool, like, how we were able to not only encapsulate that stuff in audio, but get, you know, stuff written in print as well, and that it will live there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, stories like that, where you're able to reconnect with people from your childhood and remember you, uh, I can tell you stories like Eldridge or Kastner, um um man. um Charles Oakley. Uh man, how, how, was, how was Charles Oakley, man? <laughs> how was how is Charles Oakley? I'm I'm a fan of Charles Oakley too, man. How how is Charles Oakley? One of the most genuine guys you'll ever meet. Um and what's cool about it is I, I still have a good relationship with Jason Williams and who obviously played for the Nets and you yeah, know dealt with personal things and in yeah. his life legal issues and now has, you know, made good on his life. He's mentoring people in alcohol rehab centers in Florida, you know, Oak is, is Jason's best friend. Yeah. And so the fact that I have a good relationship with Jay, you know, that, that definitely helps in my, helped in my relationship in the media with, with Oakley. And um, honest, genuine, um, and he's also a reporter's dream because people like him and people like Charles Barkley say how they feel, and uh, it makes my job easier when it goes to writing it. Yeah, I I just felt like you know that the you know maybe I you know I don't know the whole story, but that Nick situation, I tell you, man, it just wasn't a that wasn't a good look for him, man. I just thought they were trying to watch him for some reason. You know, I just I didn't think they wanted him in the organization or something no more. Um, well, I mean, you, 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 at the end of the day, he didn't get along with Dolan, and uh, you know when you don't get along with him. Um, yeah. You, you send your, your your dogs after you, and you know in that situation, yeah. from from people I've spoken to, it, it's been a situation that has definitely been a thing since since his playing career, and really? um, it's carried o- yeah, and it, 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 it's carried over into you know post playing career. And I, for me, as a person who grew up watching the Knicks and you know has relationship with players past and present on the Knicks, just for the for the hierarchy of of just basketball, you you'd hope that you know, they, they, they work it out just cause yeah. you know, Charles Oakley is the fabric of New York Knicks basketball. He is, you, man. you talk about, you he talk is. about and you, Patrick you talk Ewing about all him, like, you know, mm-hmm. rest you in know. peace, Anthony Mason, you know, you, you talk about you and you talk about Starks, but like Oakley was a fabric, you know, as much as but, people remember him playing with Michael and the Bulls, like, yeah, he was a fabric of the Knicks. He, he traded for Bill Cartwright. He was a beast. I, I, yeah. I, I just, I like tough guys in the NBA and you know, I'm, I'm 40 years old. So, you know, I, I've watched, you know, I, I'm an 80s, 90s basketball fan. You know what I mean? So just seeing that style of basketball, I know they kind of had to eliminate it 
Um, for one, you know, I know they wanted more points in basketball. Um, and for two, you know, there was just certain athletic individuals. Like Michael Jordan, to me, was like one of the most athletic individuals before his time. And that's why he dominated the way he did. I mean, he had a great skill set. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong now. But he was well before his time athletically, and they couldn't compete. So, you know, I think in order to get the, you know, worldwide uh, audience, you know, in order for the European basketball players to come in, you know, they had to change the game a little bit. So they couldn't have Oakley planting guys on <laughs> him and Anthony Mason planting guys on the on the ground, you know, when they come to the paint. So they had to do something to change it up. And I understand that, um, you know, he has a legacy of being the tough guy of the NBA, but I, I just didn't like how that looked, you know, how they carried him out. Um, I just, you know, I just think verbally you can communicate with individuals the right way and, and make them, you know, make better decisions. And I don't think professionally for him, uh, that was a good look for him. You know what I mean? Situation at the garden? Yeah, they're at the garden. Uh, I think that situation is more complex than what you than than what what is what you see optics wise. You know, I think in the NBA you see what what you see the clip, but there's so much that happens behind the scenes. Really? And I think that that situation at the garden was beyond his control in that moment when you're sending security and police officers after you. And you know, I actually talked to Oakley about that. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, and you know, his thing is, I asked him, "Hey, do you do you see yourself ever wanting to, um, you know, pass things up?" He says, "At some point, but you know, right now, you know, we're still going through the legal process and more. So, I mean, man. at some point, you hope that they heal, but you know, at the same time, like, I mean, that man was arrested and carried out like Scooby by like fifteen, Radio. twenty people during a game. That, yeah, that was cold. That, I, and that, I was actually watching that live, actually. So when I saw it, I was like, and they didn't have to do Oakley like that." You know, it's just something about, for me, you know, with the police and, you know, black folk and national TV and, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't like that look. So, you know, that, that just wasn't a good look. But, you know, shout out to Charles Ugly. I'm always a fan of his, you know what I mean? But, you know, that wasn't a good look. But, uh, so let me, let me ask you this. Um, how was it working at Source Magazine? I know, um, I'm, you know, anybody grew up in the 90s like Source Magazine, XXL, all that. You know, all those magazines was kind of like big time for us. So how was it? How, how, did, how, how was your experience there? I mean, it was cool. I mean, you, I was in a situation like you where, you know, the Source was a magazine that I, you know, would go to the grocery store. Yeah. Ah, it, was, it, was, it was a staple. Source, it was Slam, it was Sports Illustrated. Real. And, yeah. maybe, and, maybe, and maybe Game Pro Magazine and the Beckett <laughs> yeah. Magazine. We yeah. yeah. check to see how much your cards is worth. Yeah. <laughs> All the above, man. I, I, I just, you know, I kind of read a little bit about how you overcome, overcame some of the obstacles there. Uh, going to NBA All-Star Game covered and all that. Um, you know, GoFundMe page. Man, they got a lot. Man, if you Google somebody, I'm going to tell you right now, man, they, they got your life on there, man. Um, yeah, I mean, during that time at the source, I, I never said this publicly. I mean, they weren't paying. You know, so it was an opportunity for me, you know, quote, unquote, to be a staff writer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they weren't paying. And, you know, I I, I'm, I tell people this all the time. Um, I could have when they 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 I met some I'm, so I connected with the source of dysfunction at the New York Times in I want to say 2013 and somebody was speaking there that was from the source and then 
There were a bunch of people there. So it was a networking opportunity. Honestly, I went there for the free food. And <laughs> that's, that's raw right there. That's raw. <laughs> I dig it. We've all done it. We've all done that. Right. So, I mean, I was there and, and they were like, hey, you should consider writing for us. I'm like, all right, cool. So I got, you know, contact info and do call me. was like, yo, let's come. Can you come in for an interview? So I'm like, sure. They see my resume, everything I got going on. And then I'm like, they're like, yeah, we want you, but we can't pay you. I said, you can't pay me anything? They're like, no. And at that moment, I could have walked out. And for a second, yeah. I actually thought about walking out. Yeah. I said, why not try it? So this was like fall 2013. This was like, my meeting was like October, November, right? So I'm getting in there. I get a login. And I'm just going ham, just on yeah. writing. And around that same time, I said, you know, I want to go to the All-Star game. So, you know, I, I, I put in the credential process. And, like, a lot of writers who were there, it was like the source does has a lot of turnover just with writers and chips. So when I, point when I came in, everybody who had been there for some time was leaving. And the people who had been there and waited their time, they were moving up in position. And so, basically, mm-hmm. I got credential. Their sports writer who was a contributor at the time, they were leaving, and you know, so it's like I was get writing everything sports around there: basketball, baseball, football. But I was writing some hip hop stuff too. It wasn't just sports. really and so. Basically, You're writing some hip hop yeah, so, stuff. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's kind of where I just learned the game. Like you notice that you have a name, a, a, a company behind you. People want to invite you every day. You get you get perks like stuff sent to your house. Mm-hmm. Like I've gotten, you know, myriad of things: PlayStation sent, video games sent clothes, just all the different person, you know, just being there. Yeah, and being, so, being a source. Yeah, so, you know, I'm there, and uh, basically, I, I put in my credentials to get, you know, go to All-Star Weekend in New Orleans in 2014. I'm there. So uh-huh. I'm going over to the office, like, hey, can you guys go fly? Can you guys fly me out? This and third. The owner and publisher said no. And somebody pulled me to the side and said, yo, if I was you, I would reach out to sponsors and I would do this, that, and the third. Yeah, Somebody else said, why don't you crowdfund? And, you know, I crowdfunded and, you know, with the help of many people on social media, people I grew up with, people go to my church, and just, I mean, college, every place. Yeah. I, mean, I raised somewhere like, like close to $2,500, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, you know, it, it was a, it was good. It was, it, it was great. The, the, the highest compliment you could ever receive is when somebody invests money in you. I agree. I agree, and, and 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 I will say that um, because for a, for a long time before I I was podcasting, I was on other people's podcasts, and I just had like a blue yeti um, and a small little um, computer, HP computer, and you know somebody in my family that that does pretty good in the industry right now. He's a rapper, and he man, he just threw some money at me, say, hey man, you know this is what you can, this is what you can do, man. This is your lane. Um, and he invested, man. I thought that was like you said, man, just for him to believe in me like that. Um, you know, hook me up, you know, <laughs> like all the way. So I could imagine you and it's good for the, for the kids to hear too, that, you know, sometimes making money, um, is not always what's needed. Sometimes it's an experience and, um, you know, building relationships, um, and overcoming obstacles in the same time. I mean, it's good life experience to, you know, make you stronger. Uh, for your next gig, and um, you're doing really well for yourself, man. Um, and that experience, I'm sure, 
um, helped. You know what I mean? Especially building mm-hmm. relationships. I'm sure you met a lot of people uh, working for Source. Met a lot of people, got booked for different things, flown different places. To, yeah. I mean, I talked about outside of sports, like, you know, judging hip-hop competitions and, you know, showing up and just, you know, you know, getting paid to appear places. Like, that. to me, that 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 was the benefit of that supplemented not, you know, being paid. You know, like I, like, and at the point where I was, you know, I finished grad school in 2011. I'm living in my grandmother's basement and it's apartment, apartment, you know, basement and, um, you know, had kitchen, living room, walk-in closet, all that stuff, but, all the stuff you know, paying her grind. rent. Yeah. Which is all the stuff you needed just to grind it out. Exactly. And, yeah. um, you know, I was able to do all those things, but, you know, uh, I think at that time it worked. If I, at that point, at the point I'm at now, nah, that wouldn't really work, but, yeah. you know, it, 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 it filled a need. And, and, you know, like I said, it, it was nostalgic because, I was able to um to, to to write for a magazine that I that I actually grew up reading. Mm. Yeah, I mean I'm you know like I said you know shout out to Source Magazine man I, I that was a staple in my life when we was kid I I wasn't blessed with a subscription because we was we was poor but boy oh boy uh, grandma man when she could she would always get us um you know something you know this is all before all the big internet and all that uh, I'm talking about I'm, I go back with the Source. Um, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, you know what I mean? All that, you know what I mean? That was a, a staple in our household. So who are you currently working for right now? Uh writer, basketball society, uh contributor to heavy dot com. And, you know, I have my podcast. I work for myself. Scoopy radio. That is that is that is awesome. So let me ask you this, because one of the questions I wanted to pose to you is do you feel like your lane you're in right now, do you feel like that you um, are underappreciated? Would you prefer to work for like an ESPN or, uh, you know, Fox Sports one? Uh, is that something like you want to do or is this like you like you prefer your own content, your own show right now um, that you can, you know, do what you want to do on that show? Well, there's interest. Um, there are networks that have you know, reached out to me. They're, they're, they're ESPN, they're watching. T- Turner, they're watching. Mm-hmm. Fox Sports 1, I, I've heard they're watching. I don't have as strong of a relationship with them as I do folks within ESPN and, um, you know, Turner. Um, but what I'll tell you is, um, you know, when I finished grad school, um, there weren't networks really checking for me versus there are certain people that I went to school with, no, no disrespect to them, but, you know, mm-hmm. they had people knocking on their door. They're, 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 you know, and some could argue they had silver spoons in their mouth. Uh, but what I'll say is, you know, I've been on both sides of it. I've been on the corporate side of it. I've been on the, mm-hmm. you know, I've been on the, on the, on the indie side of it. And so I believe that, you know, the machine and the indie can work hand in hand. You know, I grew up, um, looking up to and 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 following the journey of Jay Z. When you look at Reasonable Doubt, that was independently produced. They used Priority Records as the distributor, as the machine, and you know. But he had a buzz even before he put out that album. People in the street knew who he was, but you know, Reasonable Doubt was that that album that encompassed everything that went on in his life up until 26, 27, because to some people he was considered a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. And once he put out that album and the success that he had, you know, volume one came out. And so I, I feel like, you know, Scoopy Radio for me is that reasonable doubt moment. Yeah. Particularly because because 
um, B Radio. I was able to put out my own stuff without the machine. You asked me, you know, just different accomplishments and different stories. The fact that, you know, two years ago, I had Kenny the Jet Smith from TNT on Scoopy Radio, and I asked him, you know, had Michael Jordan not retired, would the Bulls still have won two NBA championships? And he said we would have beat them, no question. And that showed up on ESPN The Jump, and that was a topic of conversation for a week between Robert Ory, Scottie Pippen, Byron Scott, and others. Yeah. To me, that and to see the infographic say Scoopy Radio with Kenny the Jet Smith's quote, um, I, I, I think um, – yeah. I think that uh, if the world ended today, I'd still be a very happy man. Yeah, I dig um, it. Yeah, you, you, you. I mean, for me, I, I mean, I, I follow everything you do. I mean, especially your breaking news. And so most of your tweets and all that, I make sure I got it on my uh, notification, man, because I need to know what's up. I, I know Kenny the Jet Smith. I, I do believe that 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 Houston Rocket team would have beat the Bulls. I, and I and I know I'm probably going to be criticized by some of my own homeboys for that, but. Like, I, I just think Akeem Olajuwon was in his prime, right? And I also think that Jordan has never faced a really great center in the finals. And I know he, you know, I know he's had Patrick Ewing and them, but I don't know. I just think Akeem Olajuwon was a different beast. That's just my opinion. Well, he, didn't play Patrick, he didn't play Patrick Ewing in the finals. I mean, it, when you look back at centers, um, the only big man that they, they went up against was, was, was uh, well, Vladi Divac is not an elite center. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Vladi was at 1990 or something, 91? 91. Yeah. 92, you had Kevin Duckworth, 93. I don't even know who the center was on the Suns, 96. I think Irvin Johnson, not Magic, Irvin Johnson, the Seattle Sonics, 97 yeah. and 98. You're going to get guys like Greg Ostertag. So, yeah, you're yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. It's no, no, no great centers and I, you know, I just don't think anybody. I know who did they have at that time? Was that Bill? That wasn't Bill Wellington, was it? It, it, it was some big man. They had a combination of Luke Longley, Bill Wellington. Luke Longley wasn't bad, but he, do you know what the large mom would have done? <laughs> it would have been a bad situation. You know, there's no stopping Jordan, you know, of course, but that would have been a good little series, man. I wish we would have seen that, but you know, that's always a what if. But I think he had the right to have Vernon Maxwell. Oh. Yeah, he was a dog. He was a pit bull. I, I like I like Mad Max. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was the days of basketball, man. And I can say again that you were real intrigued about series. It's like right now we know the Warriors and I don't know, Toronto and uh, Milwaukee's not done. It's looking like Toronto right now. But uh, hopefully Milwaukee can squeak it out because I, I just think Toronto's boring. Um, I like Kawhi, but, yeah, I don't want to see that series, man. Uh, but I, I think – Back then, it was just like a – maybe because, you know, basketball then, you, you really didn't know who was going to win. You want to see how Jordan was going to try to win, but you really didn't know who was going to win those series. Man, you know, now you kind of know the words are really good. He stacked teams, but I just think they taking the joy out of basketball by allowing all this stuff to happen. But that's just me. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, hey, man, I, I really appreciate it. Um I really appreciate this interview. Uh, one of my questions I do want to pose to you before I let you go, though, man, I'm a I'm a huge 76er fan. Okay, so um, I am I'm from California, born and raised San Francisco, but I do love the Sixers because I was a huge Barkley fan back in the day, and and I just it just stuck, right? So, any news in regards to Jimmy Butler, man? Like we we need Jimmy Butler, man. You got anything for me with Jimmy Butler, man? I mean, the fact that Jimmy Butler got to Philadelphia, uh, 
I think is a miracle because, uh, you know, Houston and Miami were, were definitely at a, at a bidding war with Minnesota and, and grabbing him. Um, but, you know, Chris Broussard, a mentor of mine who appeared on the Scoopy Radio podcast, said it best. He said, you know, if Philadelphia offers, you know, Jimmy an, a $190 million contract, he's staying. Um, I, I can tell you that, you know, from what I've heard, you know, the Clippers are, are, are a team that are, are really looking to pair Jimmy and Kawhi Leonard together. Um, but the thing is, I can't sleep on my man Elton Brand. Uh, I like Elton, man. Tr- I love mm-hmm. him. I, I think he's turned us around. You know, the only thing I don't think he did right was uh, I don't like Brett Brown coming back. You know, person. I think he. I think he. It was. Uh, it was bigger than than Elton. It was. It was, and it was from what I've heard. Um, it was ownership who. Mm kind of um, had questions about Brett Brown. Elton, from what I've heard, wanted to give it another shot. But I, I think, you know. He hired I, him. I like him. He hired him, didn't he? Didn't Brett Brown hire Elton Brown? Was a part of that process? No. The ownership hired Elton Brown. Because oh, I was reading something. Uh, I thought I'd seen it on Bleacher Report or something like he was helping them find one. So I could be totally wrong. I'm sure I am. But. But I mean, he his his he came in, you know. I feel like Elton Brand for Philadelphia was everything Malik Rose was supposed to be. Um, a guy who played for the Sixers, a guy who you know comes out of Duke. You know, they hire Duke guys all the time. Uh, and I'm at the not same a Duke time, at all. Go ahead. right? But <laughs> I mean, I get it. I mean, when you got the, the the commissioner of the NBA who graduated from Duke, you know what a you, you know you know what it Kyrie is. Kyrie Irving is from Duke. Mason Plumlee is from Duke. You know all guys. Are from Richardson and Darius Miles on the on the Scoopy Radio podcast recently, and you know they told me they didn't they never saw the front office role with Elton Brand, but they're not surprised because he's always found a way to reinvent himself. Yeah, and, I mean, I, uh, I like I liked him even when he was playing, though. You know, mm-hmm, me too. So I, I I just liked he was a you know how he carried himself, and he and he's a professional. You know what I mean? He's always mm-hmm. been a professional. And I and I think he's a good uh, role model for a lot of individuals right now, and I I don't think he gets enough credit, but uh you know I like Elton Brand, I like I like the hire. I know they probably wanted some other name, but those Colangelos, I ain't gonna lie, I many kind of they kind of tore us up. up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even you know when you look at the seventy six sisters. Basically. They needed to move some pieces, and there were some pieces that Colangelo brought in that they couldn't buy out that prevented, you know, the Sixers from making that move. And they ended up moving that that piece in the Jimmy Butler trade. And, yeah. But the thing about Jamal Crawford is, you know, he even though they were losing at Phoenix, man, he had a ball out there this season. And, you know, I think when you look at just the future of the Sixers, I think a lot of people were like, well, Ben Simmons doesn't have a jumper. I remember a time when the point guard's duty was just to be the distributor. But I look at Ben Simmons, I feel like he needs a, a situation kind of like Allen Iverson had with Eric Snow. He needs a, a, a bona fide point guard to come in, and they need to ship Ben Simmons to the two. You kind of saw it with Jimmy Butler in the playoffs where you saw at times Jimmy was the ball handler and Ben yeah. Simmons was cutting and screening and playing in the post, and it benefited. Especially because his free throws, I knew because his free throws too late in the game. You see Butler have her. Even I even seen Tobias come up the floor with it, man. To you know distribute offense, but 
I, I think I think if Butler leave, you know, just just me, if Butler leaves, I think we need to turn our attention to trying to get Kimba Walker, man. We need an off guard that can flat out score and shoot and then sign Tobias. Um, we probably need to probably use um, my uh, Zaire Smith. He needs, he's going to get some ball next year. Um, you know, we got some pieces, man. You know, maybe free agent here or there. We need, you know, a couple shooters, but I'll tell you, man, our future is bright. And if we try, if we trade, if we trade Ben Simmons or, or Elton Brand, I mean, I, ben, ben Simmons or uh, MB, like, I'm going to be disappointed because I'm like a lot of like commentators, a lot of sports analysts. I mean, that, it seems like that's what they're trying to make us do. Like, trade one of them. And I don't, I don't think we need to trade either one of them. We need to work it out. Get a coach to work it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that when you look at the the Sixers, I, what you said about uh, Kimmel Walker is kind of eye opening for me because I look at a team like Utah or Dallas. I feel like Utah or Dallas could use um, Kimba. Kimba Walker. Yeah. Man. But it goes with my but but we kind of collaborated on my theory because I feel like you know the Sixers could shift Kimba to, or excuse me ship Ben Simmons to the two. Exactly. I think everybody's gung ho about this whole Kimba Walker to the Knicks thing if this KD thing doesn't work out. Yeah. I don't like Kimba Walker in New York. Why not? Um, because I think it might ruin him because he's from there. Everybody can't play. Everybody can't play in New York. Yeah, I agree. I know he's. I know he's from New York. I remember him out there in. Uh, what did he go to Connecticut? Um, he went to UConn. He's from the Bronx. Yeah, and uh, he's played for Charlotte. Talked to Kimbo over this, this past summer, and you know his thing is he loves New York. He's a member of the Charlotte Hornets, and his goal was to make it to playoffs this year. Um, and 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 although they didn't make it, I think a lot of people. I think in, in this year's. NBA season, uh, I think Kimball Walker and Damian Lillard gained a lot of people's respect because they just thought that they were ball hogs. And they're actually pretty cerebral guys who play hard. Mm. And I think they picked up they picked up where Derrick Rose left off at. Derrick Rose had a monstrous career this year. Just his injuries kind of uh, hurt him at times. But, he you surprised know, me. I, I'm not going to lie. Surprised a lot of people. Yeah, he because I, I didn't think he was going to come back from that injury. But let's talk about the Knicks real quick, Bob. <laughs> Again, real quick. Their 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 whole organization just looks like they need a whole overhaul. Mm-hmm. Am I just am I just like from the outside looking in? Like it just seems that way. Got that feel like it's horrible. It just seems like it's just a lot going on. No true direction. What are your sentiments on that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, I think that a lot of times within New York. Um, people think that the Knicks, people lived through the 90s Knicks, um, you know, was was my era. And, you know, they won two championships overall. But I think it starts from leadership. You know, when you saw Magic Johnson on on, on first take the other day talking about um, just the, the makeup of the the the, um, the Lakers and Rob Palenka and Jenny Buss and all those different factors, um, the Knicks kind of went through that. You know, Steve Mills has been there for 20-plus years. And Scott Perry is now there, and they're at the forefront of trying to recruit, you know, players. And you know, they've made the right moves during the season. You know, trading mm-hmm. away Porzingis, getting, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan, you know, getting Dennis Jr. in that trade with the Dallas Mavericks. 
Yeah. You know, and, and I think they clear cal- salary cap space. I said calories. Salary cap space. Mm. Um, it's not so much Dolan. It's, it's more so the leadership. And it's like, okay, you can sell New York as a destination. Um, you know, you have, you know, all this intellectual property, MSG networks, they, they're doing an overhaul on that end. Um, but I also just think that if the Knicks are going to be successful, um, I think they have to be less corporate and more invo- enveloping a culture that people want to go to. I think they're yeah. starting that, you know, with their coach, with Fisdale, and, and he's motivating and more, but um, you got to have to sell. I feel like they're selling people that the Knicks are going to get to KD. Okay, fine, you get KD. But you still, in the Eastern Conference, have to go through the Phillies. You still have to go through the Bostons. You still have to go yeah. through, you know, the Torontos. You got to go through the Milwaukee's. Like, just because they get Kevin Durant and, 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 and if they were to get Kyrie Irving, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the championship tomorrow. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, and especially with organization in New York. I don't know. It just seems like the, from the Jets, the Giants, uh, the Yankees is not that bad. Um, but, like, all the New York teams and Knicks – it just seems like it's something up, man. Like maybe the press is too hard or something. There's, there's pressure to win, yeah. um, and I think that the best the best basketball team in New York City is, are the Nets. They look good, and they're they got a lot of young talent. And they're going to be scary next year. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the Nets are a team that people are sleeping on as far as you know the free agency sweepstakes. You know, don't sleep I, on Kyrie Irving. Uh, yeah, that, would a, that, that would be a bad look. I, I just don't know why nobody's talking about Philly as a destination. Is it because Embiid is too good and they want to be the number one guy? I or think it? they're talking about Philly, but they're not talking about them in the way many want to hear. I think it's because they're trying to figure out whether you know uh, Jimmy Butler comes back, and if Jimmy doesn't come back, what are they going to do with Tobias? You know, I've, I've been hearing a lot. You know, Tobias, all all signs point to Tobias joining the Nets, a guy from Suffolk County, New York, Long Island. You know, could slide in there in that position. Um, but I think when you look at Philadelphia, I think what you just said about um, Kimba makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Philly's a northeast city, um, not too far from D.C., not too far from New York. Um, the fans are passionate, but they turn on you in a minute. And he, um, and he can close, though. He, 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 he does what Jimmy Butler does without the defense, though. He, he's an undersized guard, but, man, he can close games. And I, and I think – I think we struggle, and B's going to get better at that. I don't think Ben will be a closer in his career, but he's a facilitator, and he's great at that. And and I, th- I think that the dribble handoffs, the offensive scheme is terrible, and I think it's handicapping us. I don't think we have a, I don't think we have a true philosophy on defense. Um, it's a lot of things, but you know, I'm a Philly fan, man. So you know, I'm, I'm very critical of our team. But school man, I took a lot of your time, man. Uh, you know, it's. I'm I'm so appreciative, man, and I got a lot of respect for what you do, man, and um, you know, inspiration of mine, man. You're like a you know, someone that, you know, um I wish that, you know, I could get some tidbits from you every now and then. Maybe you can mentor me in this in this game, man, a little bit, man. I know you've you you had a lot of opportunity with some other people, and I would love to hear some of that knowledge, man. I appreciate you coming on my podcast today, man. And um how how can they how can they reach out to you? How can they uh, what are your platforms, your social media platforms, and how can they connect with you? So first and foremost, uh, follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. That's S-C-O-O-P, letter B. Uh, Instagram and Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. Um, and more importantly, make sure you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast, which is available on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher App, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com.
Man, I really do appreciate it. Um, again, to all to anybody out there, um, he, he is a he is an example of hustling, grinding, doing your own thing, not letting anybody tell him what he can't do. Um, he's very successful at it. I really do appreciate it again, brother. My man. All right, brother. Scoop B Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.